dismiss to go to their classrooms. Um, if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 13? Matthew 13. Um, and as you're turning there, I, I want to first of all just um, kind of focus in on those words that we just sang. That when the Spirit of God does what only He can do, it changes us. It changes what we see and what we seek. And that is so true. And I hope this morning that as we look at Matthew 13 that you'll see that. That when the Spirit of God works within our hearts and in our minds, it does not, He does not leave us unchanged. But I do want to echo um, what Blake said earlier that I hope all of you had, have had a great uh, holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, you know, New Year's resolutions, all that stuff. I know for us in STS, we're looking forward to a, to a great 2019, um, a year full of growth in knowledge and truth about Christ, but, but also a, a realization that um, we know that there will be trials and there will be temptations in 2019. Let's not ignore that. Let's expect that. Let's be ready. Let's be asking ourselves, what will our response be to the difficulties, not only just the blessings of 2019? But we are uh, grateful that you're here this morning with us. If you uh, were with us last semester or um, just need a recap, of last semester. Last semester, our study was knowing the authentic Jesus. And in that semester, we focused really on positions of Jesus. We talked about Jesus being our king and, and the implications of what that means when we see Jesus as our king. We talked about Jesus as our great high priest. We talked about Jesus being our sacrifice, the great I am the Lamb of God. All of these are titles, positions that really the, the main focus is to understand Jesus as this position and then to ask ourselves in light of that position, this is who I am. And I think the major theme of that semester was to start with the, the position of Christ and then ask ourselves, okay, now who am I in light of that? Well, this semester, we are focusing in on really one of those positions. That is Jesus as our teacher. And not only that, but we are focusing in on one aspect of Jesus' teachings. And that is that Jesus taught in parables. Now, whether you are familiar with parables, maybe you've grown up in Apostles Children's Ministry and you've heard of the uh, parables, you can name all the parables of Christ that he, he um, speaks in the scriptures, or maybe you're brand new to understanding. You don't even know what a parable is. There are a couple of things that we need to know, we need to understand about this specific type of teaching that Jesus uses before we even read one. 
Because otherwise you can mishandle the parables, the teachings of Jesus. So I just very quickly want to give you what I'm calling parable presuppositions. Okay, The first one is this, that parables are simple. And if you go and you kind of research a parable that we're talking about, you're going to go and you're going to find all kinds of complications. People say, well, it could mean this or that or the other. Listen, when Jesus spoke these parables to his audience, they were simple in delivery. They were simple in explanation. And they were simple in application. Okay? So, essentially, the parables are the Plato of Jesus' teaching ministry. Okay? Simple, basic. Okay, maybe I just got Plato on the mind because my kids, my three and four year old, got a ton of Plato for Christmas. Okay? It's already a big blob of some undistinguishable color that I do not know. Okay? But with the simplicity of the parables, you don't get to treat it like Plato. You don't get to make the parable into whatever you want it to be. Okay? And I will say that there are many a teacher today that in order to appeal to the audience will make the parable into whatever it they whatever they want it to mean. And that is an abuse of the text. It's simple, but it's not Plato that you can make whatever you want. Second, parables are realistic. Okay? They deal with actual people or um, people that it would make sense in the first century or aspects in the first century that would make sense. So, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, okay, may have some Christian themes and stuff. They're not parables because they're not realistic. Okay? Third, parables are not the only way that Jesus taught. Okay? I was doing some study on this. Did you know that there's not an example in the New Testament where Jesus speaks in parables in a synagogue? What does he use in the synagogue? The scriptures. So very frequently we hear this question asked over and over and over again. How did Jesus teach? How did Jesus teach? What did he use to teach? Oh, parables, parables, parables. Yes and no. It depends. So let's... Let's make sure we understand that parables were not the only way that Jesus taught. And then finally, parables are pointed. They're truth-focused. Meaning that the most profound revelation can sometimes come in the simplest of truths. Now I'm going to ask our leaders, I'm going to ask our leaders and I'm going to ask you guys to hold each other accountable to these Parable presuppositions. As we talk about the scriptures in our small groups, as we're teaching them, let's remember these things, that parables are simple, they're realistic, they're not the only way that Jesus taught, but they are definitely packed with truth. Okay? Now, I say all that, and I want to begin to focus today on the purpose of the parable. What is the overarching purpose of Jesus' teaching in this way? Well, in order to answer that question, we must read Matthew 13, 
verses 10 through 17, where Jesus answers that question. So let's read this together. We'll pray and we will see what God's word is going to stir up in our hearts this morning. Matthew 13, verse 10 says this. Then the disciples came and said to him, that is Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Father, we pray that by the reading of your word, God, that you would give us eyes that see. That you would give us ears that hear and hearts that understand. Father, help us. Grant us this ability. Bless us with your spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, the first question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is our expectation as we read the parables? In the coming weeks, as we open God's word to these parables that Jesus is presenting to this crowd, what is our expectation? You see, Jesus uses these simple stories with a purpose. You know, we use simple stories for a purpose as well. I'll give you an example. There is rarely a night where, as I'm tucking my boys in, my three-year-old, my four-year-old, when I'm tucking them into bed, they, they tell me, Daddy, will you tell us a story about Aaron? Now, Aaron is my brother in law okay, my wife's brother, and... They love to hear stories about Aaron that, quite frankly, I make up on the spot, okay? But there's, there's something about hearing this story about Aaron and having a picture of this scrawny, blonde-haired kid, right, doing all these things that Daddy's telling he, he does. But I use those stories for a purpose. Number one, the main purpose is to get them to go to bed, Okay? But the second purpose is to begin to teach them aspects of life. And so I'll I'll tell them stories about where Aaron was scared and needed to trust God. Where Aaron disobeyed his mommy and daddy, right? Where, Where Aaron didn't share or when Aaron made friends, 
right? All these aspects in Aaron's life that, uh, quite frankly, could not be true, probably. But, but they are aspects in which they serve a purpose. And that's exactly what we see with the parables. The parables are used for a purpose. And so let's ask ourselves, what purpose do the parables play in the ministry of Jesus? Well, according to this text that we just read, the parables are teachings of Jesus that give testimony to the reality of two spiritual groups. Okay, let me read that again. Parables are teachings of Jesus that give testimony to the reality of two spiritual groups. You see that here. Look at verses 10 through 13. Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answers, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. There's one group. But to them it has not been given. That's the other group. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus is literally saying the point of the parables is to distinguish between the haves and the have-nots. And that's a hard pill to swallow. The point of the parables is essentially, as it, it functions as a knife that separates these people. There's a group that understands and grows in knowledge and understanding of the secrets of heaven. And then there's another group that even what they hear will be taken away. And so Jesus understands that as he looks at this big crowd, he understands that his very words are separating people. As he tells these parables, he knows the reality. That on one side, there is one group that is growing. It is, his words are bearing fruit in their lives. Maybe slowly, but, but it's still growing. And then on the other side, there is a group that hears his words, and, and it is little more than absolutely useless to them. Can I tell you, students, that is exactly, that is exactly what is taking place right now. Right now. That as we read eight verses from Matthew 13, a spiritual knife has separated this group. And I can't see it. I'm not going to pretend that I can see it. But those eight verses are either bringing you greater knowledge and understanding and joy and praise towards Christ. Or you just heard those words and they were useless to you. And you have to ask yourself, which way did my heart gravitate? That's what Jesus is saying here. That is what the text says. That's not what Chris says. That's what the text says. Which leads to our second question. Well, 
Chris, that was Jesus talking to a crowd in the first century. Surely that's what takes place then. It's an abuse of the text for you to say that that takes place now in the 21st century. So the question is, well, if that's the purpose then, has that purpose changed? Here's the short answer, no. That's the short answer. How do I know that? Well, if you look at verses 14 and 15, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. That indeed there are people that hear but never understand. Indeed there are people that see but never perceive. There are people whose hearts have, be, have grown dull with, and their ears can barely hear. And here's the answer. As long as hearts are dull and ears are barely hearing and eyes are closed to the truth of God's word, guess what? The purpose of the parables, the purpose of separating people that are growing in knowledge and people that, are, that find Christ's words totally useless, that purpose still stands and it's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's still happening today. In the first century, it was this massive crowd surrounding Jesus that was hearing literally the audible voice of Christ. Literally hearing the words come out of Christ's mouth, and yet, what? They did not hear him, because they left him unchanged. And in the 21st century, it's the high school student that comes to STS every week, that comes to 1030 worship every week, and they... They sit and they hear the scriptures being read. They, they sit and they hear the scriptures being explained. And they walk out of the church doors exactly the way they came in, unchanged. Exactly the same way. You are that first century crowd. This is the prophecy of Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. That people claim to hear the words of Christ. They claim to be in relationship with him. But are spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, unrepentant, spiritually dead to him. Can I ask you a question that I, I find most compelling in this situation? I have to ask myself, and I want to challenge you to ask yourself. Am I complacent? Am I okay with regularly hearing the words of Christ, hearing the words of the scriptures? Am I okay regularly coming into STS, coming into 1030 worship, hearing the scriptures preached and proclaimed, am I okay with that and leaving unchanged? Am I okay with that? Because if I'm honest, quite frankly, a lot of the times the answer is yes. Well, why? Why are you okay with that? Why would your answer be yes to that? And the answer is because being spiritually blind, being spiritually deaf, being spiritually dead is what's natural to me. It's all I've known. And so I gravitate towards that. It's comfortable. How does the purpose 
of the parables impact me today? How does the parables, the purpose of that, impact me today? We, we said in that first question that the purpose was to give testimony to the reality of two spiritual groups. And if that purpose still stands today, then right here, right now, as we see Jesus explaining the parables, the purpose of them, how does that impact me right now? And this is how it impacts me. The purpose of the parables testify to my current spiritual status. Blessed or blinded. That right now, as, as we read the parables this semester, that it will give testimony to your spiritual status. Do I have eyes that see? Do I have ears that hear? Or do I leave here unchanged? Do I care not about the words of Christ? They, they're useless to me. You see, the reality is that as Jesus looks at that crowd and he tells these parables that there was not a person, even the disciples, there was not a person there who had not experienced at some point spiritual blindness. Okay? The, the disciples weren't born with the ability to spiritually see and to spiritually hear. They were, at one point, spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. But notice, if you don't get anything, focus right here on verses 16 and 17. Notice the agent of change. Notice the, the catalyst that takes place in verses 16 and 17 that transforms someone from spiritually blind to seeing. Notice the the agent that causes spiritually deaf people to hear. Look at it. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes. It's real easy to miss. Don't miss it. But blessed are your eyes for they see. And blessed are your ears for they hear. The agent of change is blessing. Now, I want to give you an illustration of what that looks like. Um, many of you have probably seen these kinds of videos on YouTube or on the news. Okay, I, I, I wish I had one up on the screen, but I'm just going to describe it. The, there are videos of small children, one-year-old, two-year-old, that are born deaf, born with some sort of um, auditory issue where they can't hear. And so as two, at two years old, they're doing sign language with their parents, right, that they've never heard mom's voice, dad's voice. And then by God's grace in technology, they have this surgery where for the very first time, and I love it because they get it on video, here's this little two-year-old who's never heard mom's voice playing with Play-Doh, probably. And he's playing, he's playing, and they turn that thing on, and mom says, hey, buddy, can you hear me? And in that moment, in that moment, that two-year-old's face lights up. And he turns, and he looks at mom, and he's either moved to tears, he's moved to great joy, but he's not left unchanged. That's exactly the picture here. 
the picture of blessings. That here's a two-year-old that with all the work in the world, he would never be able to hear mom's voice. Well, how did he come to hear mom's voice? He was blessed. He was given the ability to hear for the very first time. Do you see the picture? How that's you? That you were hopeless and helpless? You could not hear. You could not see. Sure, you heard the words of Christ. You came to STS every week. You sat in 1030 service, but you were not hearing. And yet, the Father has blessed you with His Spirit. That when the Spirit comes in the room, then He does what only He can do. He changes us. He changes what we see and what we do. You were hopeless, but you've been blessed. And by that blessing, a blessing that is the result of God's grace alone, it does not lead to pride. Christian, listen, listen to me. If you claim Christ, and you now have eyes that see, and ears that hear, repent of your pridefulness. You are graced with that ability. It's not because you prayed 1,000 times. It's not because God saw something in you that was worth it. No, it was because God is good, and he is gracious, and he loves his people. He blessed you with that. There is no room for pride. None. Ultimately, it leads us to humble thanksgiving towards our Savior. The thing we need to see also, with that little two-year-old that has that hearing aid, that can now hear, do you see that the result of now being able to hear mom, hear dad, hear a teacher, hear brother and sister, that now they grow tremendously. Tremendously. That's exactly what happens when you have eyes to see, when you have spiritual eyes that can see, spiritual eyes that can hear, you grow. You grow. Students, where do you find yourself right now? Which group? When the scriptures are open, are you really seeing Christ? Ask yourself that. When the scriptures are open, are you really hearing him? Well, I don't know. Is there repentance? Is there a growth? in knowledge and understanding and joy and praise and glory in Christ? Or is it that when you hear the words of Christ, you leave unchanged? Well, Happy New Year. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for that. That was really kind of heavy for first Sunday back. If I'm honest, I really don't know where I'm at right now. That I say perfect. Because Christ says 
that the point of studying his parables is to give you clarity in that. So this semester, that is our goal. That as we read the parables together, as we study the parables together, that number one, blind eyes would be opened. Deaf ears would be able to hear by the blessing that comes only through Christ. And that great clarity would be given to you. Great assurance would be given to you as a result of this semester. Let's pray together.